0: This is the Berman Project. Hey, it's JD here, back for another week of introspection and reflection on loss, grief, and the pathway to mental wellness, all the while nourishing my soul with the music and art of the late indie rock singer-songwriter, David C. Berman. How you doing, everybody? I am um, mostly good, I would say, today. Uh, looking out my window, the sky is a little gray and hesitant, but um, you know uh, it was blue just about an hour ago, and it's warm enough out that I went out with just a, just a long sleeve shirt and a blazer. Um, I'm a hardy Canadian, so you know that makes sense for me. There are people listening to this that would be like, "It's four degrees, dude." Where's your winter coat? Now, I didn't say I went off on a hike or anything. I took the dogs out. That's all I did. I was out for just a short time. But I didn't need gloves. I didn't need a closed coat. It it was just nice to sort of be out there and breathe in the clean air, that crisp air that winter provides. It's cleaner somehow in the city. And um, during the wintertime, I should say. And uh, that's a good thing. So there's that. How are you? That's what I want to know. How are you? How are you managing? We have made it through the tough part of the winter. The five weeks before solstice and the five weeks after solstice are among the toughest 10 weeks that we face in the calendar, regardless of your Um, well, not regardless of your geography, you need to be in the Northern hemisphere to experience that in the Southern hemisphere. I'm not sure what the, what the dark weeks would be. Maybe if there's somebody listening from the Southern hemisphere, they can shoot me an email. JD at mediumalchemist.com. would love to hear from you this week. I got something even better than an email. I got a phone call and from an old friend. And uh, we talked for probably close to an hour. He's new to the podcast. but um it was a real touching conversation. it 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 moved me, and it reaffirmed a friendship that is, you know, almost thirty years old at this point. This is a gentleman that I connected to through music years ago, and uh, here we are you know, reconnecting over a podcast now. He had some wise, sage words for me, and uh, it meant a lot. I'm not going to get into the details right now, but ostensibly he put some wind under my wings, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good as a result. I hope he is too. So there's that. Late last week, I got a chance to meet a new psychiatrist at the hospital that's in my neighborhood. I'm hoping that he's going to follow me. It seems as though he is. He gave me his phone number, which, you know, if I remember from my college days, uh, it won't be long before we sleep together. So there's that. I kid, of course. It was a, a big deal for him to give me his phone number. And um I appreciate it and I won't abuse it for sure. He's booked a second appointment with me. So I guess I'm broken <laughs> enough that uh uh I provide an interesting case for him. I, I feel that's what these assessments are sometimes. You know, you go in to meet these people and it's a half-hour assessment, they ask you a barrage of questions just like rat-a-tat-tat. It's uh, all over the place. And, and you know, you've got to answer these things and, and answer them as honestly as possible to give them enough meat to work with because if you don't eat your meat, there'll be no pudding. And uh, that would be just a travesty. But in all seriousness... These things are really tough to do because you have to unveil, you know, your inner self to somebody who's brand new, who's a stranger who might at the end of the session say, okay, um, that's great, but, uh, I'm not going to follow you and you know, you're on your own again. And now you've just revealed everything and you're left asunder and that's no good. That just, that would just suck. So, you know, in my head it's always it's always uh the interesting cases they pick up. Maybe I've watched too much House. That television show back in the day with Olivia Wilde. Um they took interesting cases and uh they they tried to fix them. And I think that that's uh, a part of what some of these doctors do. They 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 take cases that they either a think are are fixable so that they can, you know, put you up on the uh on the proverbial um I'm trying to think of what the what the word is, the lifts. You know, when you drive your car into a garage and they lift you up so they can look underneath. Yeah, I feel like that's, you know. And then they just do a quick oil change and fix you up and you're all good to go. So there's that, or there is the, uh, holy fuck, you're fucked. <laughs> and this is really intriguing and I want to get under the hood and see what the fuck it is that makes you tick. And, and that's the category that I think I'm in, but you know, uh, that's me just bragging.
1: <laughs>
0: um, he was very kind, uh, very Warm, which is not necessarily the case with most of these doctors. I had another doctor at that hospital. And uh, even though she was my only psychiatrist at the time, I I stopped following her because she just was awful. Like, she was really just awful. At the end of the day, I just need somebody to manage my meds. I've got a therapist that I talk to. I'm not looking for, you know, Freudian um, conversation here. I'm looking for somebody to manage my psych meds because I'm on a what I'm told I'm on a very complicated cocktail, and uh, and you need to be a proski to, to to uh, manage that. My my family doctor won't touch it. He simply repeats the script that my old psychiatrist wrote, and that script is coming up on three years old, and I, I think it's. I think, I've been told that I'm uh, treatment-resistant. I'm drug-resistant. I have drug-resistant depression. And I think that that's probably true. And I also have a fucking incredibly high tolerance for uh, drugs, typically speaking. You know, when I go to the dentist, I need to get like four needles to freeze my mouth. Uh, during my Here's something that you didn't want to hear. But during my colonoscopy, I woke up, you know, like, with, with five minutes left in the colonoscopy. Uh, I don't know that that was supposed to occur. Um, I can eat an incredible amount of marijuana. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I went out a couple weeks ago and I'd had 150 grams and I haven't had any since then. So that's good. It's been three weeks since I've had any uh, edibles. I did smoke once, um, but I've really cut down and uh, like significantly cut down uh, because it was getting too high. Like it was the tall, you know, my tolerance, I find, do you find with edibles that your tolerance, if you take them over several days, like your tolerance goes up and it takes more and more. Um, for me, I, I definitely noticed that. And like I said, uh, you know, 150 grams, I was like, uh, I was told I went out to karaoke And I didn't do any karaoke. I don't know that I did much of anything. But my friend told me it looked like I was having a difficult time sitting upright. (laughs) But we were also drinking. So there's that. I've stopped drinking as well. I really haven't had much to drink in the last little bit. Now I say that having had three or four beers yesterday. But um, I'm doing well. I'm doing good. I feel bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And I think that that's related. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm feeling all right. I hope this keeps up. I want it to keep up. You know what I'm saying? No, I
1: don't really want to die. I only want to die in your eyes. I'm still here. wishing well to the check the stable door for the name of the and dam you were always at the dog track with your brother and all his friends top lines around my body like the shoreline made me nervous It made your body shake too hard Now there's a lot of things that I'm gonna
0: Don't step on it, JD. That's a nice fade. That's a nice, you know, it's not really a fade out. It's just that last note just ringing out, and it's great. And that's uh, the first track from The Natural Bridge, which is the second full-length record from The Silver Jews, although it's really a, a, a different band, you know, the Silver Jews from um, Starlight Walker were Stephen Malcolmus, Bob Nostanovich, and uh, Steve West's a little bit on there. Uh, there might have been some other uh, session players. This one features uh, David Berman, of course, Matt Hunter, Ryan Murphy, and Peyton Pinkerton, and Michael Deming. Now, Peyton Pinkerton is uh, a name that I know because I reached out to Bob Nostanovich and To clarify something, because I've always heard that um, this was the studio time that they booked with Bob and and Westy and SM uh, and, and Berman, and my understanding was that Berman didn't show up, but then I read on Wikipedia that he did show up and he stormed out of the studio. So I wanted to clarify that with Bob, like, what exactly happened? I know that Pacific Trim came out of it, you know, because the studio time was already rented, so Paveman ended up purchasing it and uh, not letting it go to waste and 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 put together Pacific Trim without Spiral. Um, Bob responded to me, and he said, uh, no problem, uh, because I asked him if, if he was cool to, you know, if he wanted to answer the question or not. And he said, no problem. We started to record a few songs for what may have been the next Silver Jews record. David was not content, and he seemed to be having difficulties being around Stephen. He and Peyton Pinkerton, who had taken a Greyhound from Western Massachusetts for the session, split and drove back to Nashville. Pavement, just Stephen, Westy, and myself, bailed out Dan Kretzky from Drag City by purchasing the studio time at Easley and made Pacific Trim and No More Kings. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize that. Um, No More Kings is on the Schoolhouse Rocks compilation. Uh, Several months later, we found out David had made Natural Bridge without us. At least Peyton was on it. So Peyton would have been on the the pavement version, the original version of Silver Jews. But Peyton uh, ended up... um, on the actual record as well. So naturally I've heard Bob say this before, uh, you know, talking about um, talking about being kicked out of the band that he started, you know, uh, something along those lines. I don't, I don't want to quote him, but I, I just have a feeling that there were hard feelings after that. Cause I don't, I don't think Bob shows up again. SM shows up again on future Jews records but I don't know that Bob does, and uh you know that's that's too bad that's uh too bad this record is a country tinged record there there is you know songs done in three four um there's the 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 walking bass lines uh it's not Cassie Berman on this record yet, but it, it, it's got a feel like it's got a feel that becomes what I think is the signature silver juice sound. This record sounds like the silver juice or, or sorry, not the silver juice, silver juice. This record just sounds like silver juice to me. And, uh, it, it until we get to the end, until we get to the last record, um, I feel like they all, you know, sort of vibe in that in in this in this space, and uh, I like it. This is the music that I really like. I like that song. Uh, There's some good ones coming up, so stick around. Let's read some poetry. We are well on our way uh, through from Cantos for James Michener, Part Two. This week we are reading section. Oh gosh, what is it? CXXVI, which is uh 126. So last time it was 117, and now we're we're at 126. So I'm not sure. I'm not even sure how to how to demarcate the the titles of these subsections. Uh, I, I really don't know. It's uh it's strange. But let's get into this. Now this one is structured very different. This one is structured in two big-ass paragraphs. And I'm glad I had my pop filter on there because big-ass, I popped my lips there a little bit. So this is uh, from Cantos for James Michener, part two, uh, section 126. That's how I'll label it. Let's get into it. From our upstairs porch, I watched my neighbor, a small-town accountant with a voice like a toy keyboard, Begin his walk to work in a navy blue botany 500 suit bought used in an L.A. consignment store while visiting his widower son-in-law and blind granddaughter. And according to my neighbor, formerly owned by Gray Rayburn, the retired great game show host whose grotesque aura still haunts the seven o'clock time slots of my body's internal clock, along with Merv Griffin, Don Rickles, Cloris Leachman, Burt Convy, Wink Martindale, and the tenants of every Hollywood square. Those terrible hucksters, sickening adults, hyenas, who seem to have had their proteges on every main street, the men with perms, tight gray curls erupting over the alcoholic typography of their oiled faces, a legion of salesmen ruined by bad translations of an already disastrous California ideal, their eyes stinking like boiled cocktail onions as they emerge from sleek 1980 Thunderbirds, all marinated teeth and snowplow mustaches fresh from invigorating divorces, dragging tawny S-shaped girlfriends by the wrist to wooden gargoyle water beds were stereo systems built into the headboards played Eye in the Sky by Alan Parsons' project endlessly through the night. These men quietly disappeared sometime during the first Reagan administration. If the mirror knots did come for them, then they must have leapt down through the bedroom ceilings, and the men must have woken up screaming as their carpeting was ripped up The aquarium smashed with baseball bats and then angry, insane. My ex-wife is behind this, isn't she? Obscure cuss words now lost to us, spilling out of their fat mouths. Jesus Christ. That first paragraph is one sentence. Uh, It is heavily punctuated with a litany of commas and uh, a few semicolons But that is, woo! that is a one breather. Um, You know, just a couple little pauses there. Wow. Wow. Um, That is what I would call a rant to me. It feels like that first paragraph is a rant. Uh, A lot of uh, disdain for Hollywood squares, it seems. Um, And then we get into the mirror knots again. The Miranauts are back, and they must have leapt down through bedroom ceilings, and the men must have woken up screaming at their carpeting was ripped up, and the aquarium smashed with baseball bats. Wow, yeah. I I got nothing, man. I got nothing. Uh, Dave's not here, man. Dave's not here, man. I don't know. When I said man there, I sounded like Tommy Chong. So um, have I told you guys that if I opened a weed shop, that's what I would call it? Dave's not here? I would call it Dave's not here. That's to me, that's instead of fucking weed jar, like the one, my local is called weed jar. So it's like, you know, I have to say when I'm leaving the house, Hey guys, I'm going to weed jar. It'd be so cool if I could be like, Hey man, I'm going to Dave's not here. Dave's not here, man. Dave's not here. Anyway, that's what I would do. That's what I got for you this week. Uh, It's, it's been another good one and uh, uh, I hope you're well. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Stay hungry stay foolish my voice just cracked i'm gonna say it again maybe i'll edit it probably i won't stay hungry stay foolish and wash your goddamn hands the berman project is a production of duvra podcasts and such you can find out more about the show at www.thebermanproject.xyz that's right i'm fucking canadian i'm also social Find me on Twitter, Instagram, and all the rest at Berman Project. Dura.
1: Podcasts and such.